Yes! <laughs> Die Hard works its way into everything, and I love it. And as a twin, we don't find twins weird. We find all y'all weird. I don't know if you know this, guys, but I read it right there. This is 100% <laughs> medically accurate. Did you realize that? Yay! Those See? are not coughs. Yeah, it's not coughing. No. Everybody's excited to be in a closed space with everybody That's else. Right. That's right. <laughs> and we are glad to be here to welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com, back at the Gateway Film Center. Every month we do a uh, podcast here and show a movie, and we have a different category to talk about of horror films. And today it's really timely because... We are talking about bad doctors. And I don't know if anybody else saw the good news that the kids in the hall are coming back, which immediately makes me think of bad doctors. It's not like I'm weak in some areas. No, I'm homogeneously unqualified to practice medicine in any capacity. I really don't have a clue. We were very excited to hear that the uh, kids in the hall are coming back on Amazon, I think it is, for some new episodes. So that is fun. So that just worked out. It's very timely. Very timely. We have so many things to talk about today. So the first thing that we want to do is point out that we have new merch. The new line of That's right, spring merchandise. Fright Club merchandise for your, your spring fashion accessories. That's right. Brand new baseball hats that we just got to load in, and you can take them off our hands for 15 bucks. And that's only because that's what we paid for That's that. right. That, that's we what don't we make paid. profit on that at all. We are trying. If we were smart, we would have done the Fright Club brand hand sanitizer. Right. Which really would have been a hot item. That's but we, right. We Scare germs away. That's right. We didn't get a hold of that. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got, anybody didn't have a button. And I gave out a couple earlier. Uh, come down and get those. There's absolutely free. That's right. Um, there was big news. There's a lot of big news. A lot to talk of big about. news. A lot of big news. But first, we want to start off with our friend Jen Dreadful is going to have a dreadful baby. Yes, congratulations. So that's very exciting. Congratulations to Jen and Albert Dreadful. And uh, and also Jen and Phantom Dark Dave are going to uh, co-host a podcast coming up soon on trauma. Yeah. You are going to hate every minute. I'm just going to turn hate the dials as usual and sit back and let them gush that's about trauma. That's right. But that should be fun, though. And we want to thank Justin on Twitter, who tagged us just randomly and said we were one of his favorite podcasts. Thank you. All right, my buddy. That was awesome. I appreciate that. And then also Jamie, we want to thank from uh, Fab 5 from fans. I trip on that every single time because he sent us some swag. Every time we want to, see, we want to say Fab 5 Freddy. We no, do always want to say, say that. Yeah. No, it's Fab 5 from fans. Yes. We appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, last time out, our last podcast, if you remember, we talked about the great category that was... Horror movies where nobody dies. That's right. And we wanted to take credit for that, but we couldn't because it was our friend Corey Metcalf's idea, and we had a lot of fun with that podcast. We did. And Andrew pointed out, rightly so, that in Freaks, you kind of guess that they kill Hercules, but you don't know it. So it still counts because we just like to use that movie as often as we can. So anyway, that's what we did the last time. And now what we were going to do, our next podcast after this one, our next studio podcast was going to be Contagion Horror. Speaking of timely. Yeah. But as we'll tell you in a minute, we've got a reason why that's not going to happen. And so, uh, and so, which means I lied like 20 minutes ago to old man Spencer. So instead, I'm just going to tell you what I would have said when we had it. So, so these are the top, you, this would be your top five contagion yes. horror movies. It's going to be six because it'd be fuzzy math because it's not a live event. Okay. So we're going to go with Signal, 28 Weeks Later, Pontypool, Carriers, which is on Netflix right now, by the way, The Crazies. Either one. And, of course, 28 Days Later. 
And speaking of 28 Days Later, we'd like to wish our friend Brandon Thomas luck, good luck, because he's in London right now, right, which I London. assume is live 28 Days Later <laughs> right this second. His Facebook posts are going to get more and more just crazed. <laughs> and he's going to have that look in his eye. But no, I hope they have fun over there. And by the way, um, we just wanted, we just saw this morning, we got to have a preview screening of the new movie, The Hunt. Loved it. That uh, you may have heard about was too scandalous, too political for release. Got pushback. It's coming oh, yeah. out this weekend? It is coming out this yeah, weekend. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. It yeah. was different from what I expected. Mm-hmm. And as usual, as you probably would guess, the whole pandemonium about it, way overblown. Yeah. But, yeah, it was uh, very clever. Very Really clever. enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, review will be up in the morning. Yeah, so check that out. All right, is that enough housekeeping? It is. All right, we got to get to Bad Doctors. That's right. It was our excuse to play our classic horror for right. this year. Right, once a year. We try to do one classic, a right. classic horror right. movie, and uh, this is one that is certainly qualified. Yes, yeah, 60th anniversary. It's the 60th anniversary of this just outstanding French horror film, which really inspired uh, like a whole 1970s craze of like bad doctors, don't look in the basement kind of horror. But mm-hmm. this is easily the best one until Almodovar did one like oh, three yeah. or four years ago. Yeah, which was very reminiscent. Um, but you wanted to point out that we're talking bad doctors, not mad doctors. That's right, because there are a lot of mad scientists, your Frankensteins, for example. You know what? They might be fine doctors. They were just misled once or twice. The countdown today are doctors you don't want to see. Don't go to them. And that's what this countdown was about. Yeah, because we think about movies like American Mary or the one you just alluded to, The Skin I Live In. Right, right. They're, they seem good at their job. They do. They do. <laughs> they seem good at their job. They're skilled. <laughs> They're skilled, mm-hmm. but uh, there are definitely worse doctors and doctors you do not want to have anything to do with. No. And that's what we're talking about. That's right. And, of course, we're going to show one tonight. We are. So you want to start out? We'll get with number five on our list, and this one is from 1985. After an odd new medical student arrives on campus, a dedicated local and his girlfriend become involved in bizarre experiments centering around the reanimation of dead tissue. Of course, it's Dr. Herbert West, reanimator. <laughs> Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. Herbert, you're insane! Now what happened? I had to kill him! He's dead? Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. It will scare you to pieces. I love that it's H.P. Lovecraft's because it has like nothing whatsoever at all, even slightly to do with anything Lovecraft ever wrote. But that to me is fine. I'm fine with that. It is. And you know that my favorite thing about this entire movie comes in the opening scene. And that is the, the character name in the opening scene, the guy that he's reanimating, is named Hans Gruber. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Die Hard works its way into everything and I love it. I know there's a lot more that you like about this movie. There is. I like a lot about this movie. I like it better than you do. But one of the reasons that it fits this list so well is not just because Herbert West is a, a, is a weird doctor. He's he's nutty. He's not maybe a good guy. But the entire staff is full of just outright bad physicians. Like just, I don't think Dan Kane has any idea how to do what he's doing. He's just a <laughs> handsome roommate. He doesn't have any idea how to do anything. And if Dr. Hill was better at his job, then Herbert West wouldn't be nearly so mad all the time, would he? No. I think that the entire staff there is, well, just uh, not very good. Right. Bad doctors. Bad doctors. This was directed by Stuart Gordon. (gasps) We met him. Otherwise known as 
the guy that didn't want me around at Horror Hound <laughs> when we met him. He's like, oh, hi, and then who are you? Go, get out of here. <laughs> but we got a nice picture, so that's what counts. Now, this is an all-time favorite that you hate. This is one of those rare movies that I will watch a hundred times and you'll walk out of the room. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, but it's- You like Barbara Crampton. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't like Barbara Crampton? Yeah, it's not one on my, it's high on my list of classics, but uh, it's got some fun to it and it certainly has bad doctors. It does. So that, that is why it is number five. Number five. Number four is one you do like, though. Number four on the list of bad Dr. Horror is from 1988. Yes, yeah, a good one. This will give it away. Twin gynecologists. So all you got to say, take full advantage of the fact that nobody can tell them apart until their relationship begins to deteriorate over a woman. It's Dr. Beverly and Elliot Mantle, Dead Ringers. By every scientific measure, they are absolutely the same. They share everything. You haven't had any experience until I've had it too. Doctor, you've cured me. You mean to say there's two of them? They're twins, dear. For working on mutant women. Radical technology was required. Something radical is definitely required. Dead ringers. Separation can be a, a terrifying thing. Well, one of the things that's most commonly associated with David Cronenberg's horror is body horror, and this one certainly qualifies there. Oh, my God, it does. Eek. You know, it's funny because the trailer makes it seem like it's sexy. It is literally the least <laughs> sexy film in the history of the world. I defy you to watch this movie and then feel randy. You'd be like, oh, God, you just keep having just, you know, just I, I can't even watch when that tray of instruments well, comes out. I have just, to look away. Just looking at those implements, you're like, ah, Dude, you're a dude. I know. You don't even know. Uh, but I'm, yeah, but <laughs> it's still... <laughs> But Jeremy Irons drives this with a with a great performance because yeah. he's great. And I found it interesting that he said he kept track of whether he was playing Elliot or Beverly by always playing one with his weight on the balls of his feet and the other with the weight on his heels. Nice. And that's how he kept it in his mind because obviously an actor as good as he is is going to have ways to, to pull that off. But yeah. um, that's one of the reasons I think one of the early choices by Cronenberg um, was William Hurt. Okay. To, to do the, the, the role, and he had to drop out for scheduling or whatever, but he end, ended up later saying that even though he regretted it, because it's a good part, he said how hard it would be. It's hard enough to play one role right. like this just to play two two at a time. Right. And he pulls it off, man, because he he's does. always somehow sympathetic but always creepy. And they're different. I yeah. mean, they're different oh, enough yeah. characters. This is one, because I am a twin, and uh, my sister Joy and I, we always watch twin movies, and we're very skeptical, you know, because it's either it is they're either you know there's the evil twin, which by the way is Joy, or you know <laughs> you know it, there's always some weirdness about it. And as a twin, we don't find twins weird. We find all y'all weird, and um and so <laughs> I we I love uh, when one actor plays the role of two people, and the the two people are different but similar enough. But more importantly, they have this eternally lived-in relationship. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that's the most important that he pulls off, is that he pulls off the idea that he and he have a relationship that's that's gone on their whole lives, and we don't know anything about it. It's like a lot of sort of shorthand in communication that I think that Jeremy Irons pulls off. Of course, he's a genius no matter what he does, but he's so good in this movie. It's actually, this movie is based on two real-life twins. Stuart and Cyril Marcus, and they were found dead in their apartment 
in Manhattan, it was due to withdrawal from barbiturate addiction. Mm. And there's a novel about it called, uh, called Twins from 1977. So loosely based on that. Yeah, this is a creepy one and, and definitely one to, uh, to check out and put under bad doctors, yes. bad intentions. I know. I don't want them to be my doctor. I can tell you that. <laughs> from 1988, Dead Ringers. Uh, moving up to number three on our list of bad doctors. Oh, man, this guy's bad. And he's mad. A mad scientist kidnaps and mutilates a trio of tourists in order to reassemble them into a human centipede. First sequence with Dieter Laser as the unforgettable Dr. Heider. The Siamese triplet connected via the gastric system. The human centipede. I don't know if you know this, guys, but I read it right there. This is 100% (laughs) medically accurate. Did you realize that? 100%. As far as you know. As far as I know. (laughs) Well, you got him. Dieter Laser. I know. I mean, first of all, the name is great. Yeah. Uh, His face, it just screams mad doctor. It does. Bad doctor. It does. You know, it's one of those, I was thinking about it just watching, because I do love him. I think he is so magnificent in this movie, and he's really the reason that the movie works, I think. But I was trying to think of who else could have done it. Udo Kier, maybe? Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. All right. Okay. But he pulls it off. And one of the things I like about this movie is that it almost begins where an American-made horror movie generally would end. Generally speaking, when we, if you watch this movie, the whole tension would be whether or not he's going to actually sew these people together, and then that would be the last shot, mm-hmm. right? That's, uh, that's 15 minutes of the movie. You still have a whole hour and 15 minutes of these people sewn ass-to-mouth together, <laughs> and for some reason, I applaud that. <laughs> we appreciate it. The, <laughs> according to Tom Six, the actual concept came from a joke that he made uh, with friends about how to punish a child molester by stitching his mouth, quote, to the ass of a very fat truck driver. I see. And out of that, inspiration was born. <laughs> and sort of what you were just talking about, when he was in the casting process, he, he scared away a lot of the potential actresses just by showing a picture of what he was going for. So, <laughs> yep, uh, well, we'll be seeing you. We're yes. out. Well, it's a disturbing movie. And, I, you know, for me, I don't think the second or the third, second and the third are too much... Just over-the-top sort of um, Very comedies. Over, yeah. You know, just, you know, sort of nasty, unpleasant comedies. Although I, I like his performance and I like the other googly-eyed guys. I can't think of his name performance as well. But this one, it, they could have ended with this one. I mean, I really think that this, it's memorable, certainly. It didn't need to be extended any longer. Um, and I just think, as bad doctors go, he's right up there. And it's 100% medically accurate. Did <laughs> I mention that? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh. The Human Centipede first sequence, that is number three in our list. And, ooh, we got to get moving because we got a movie coming up at 8 o'clock. And you know what? It's this one here. It's at number two on our list, the one we're going to show tonight, a classic from 1960. A surgeon causes an accident which leaves his daughter disfigured and goes to extremes to give her a new face. Dr. Genesare in Eyes Without a Face. So many people have seen it. Oh, we've got a few, but a lot yeah. haven't. That's great. Very That's exciting. great. And we always love to give you a chance to see it, maybe for the first time or at least the first time on, on the a big, big screen. screen. So we don't want to talk much about it, not going to spoil anything, but we'd love to get your reactions as usual on the way out. You want to come down and give us your reactions 
on tape to get you on the podcast. We would love to do that. And apologize in advance to anybody who thought that they were going to see a Billy Idol video. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, if you've ever wondered what they're singing in the background of that song, they're singing the original French title of this movie. Nice. And I can't pronounce it, but it flies <laughs> without a face. One of the interesting things, though, is because like so many classics, at the time, it wasn't appreciated. It yeah. got generally bad reviews. In fact, one uh, film critic for a paper called The Spectator was almost fired because he wrote a positive review. Wow. And everybody else just panned it. And then in time... People came to uh, appreciate it. For, I love the I love is. the movie. My favorite thing about this trailer, though, is that it closes in on that piece of music that they use in Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he can't find his bike, and the clown looks all menacing, and there's all of the the chain, and that's the piece of music that they use. Which see, I look love. at this. In one episode, I've been able to reference Die Hard, and you've been able to reference Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh my God, so we got Woo. it. All right, so we'll move on because we don't want to spoil anything no. before we see Eyes Without a Face. Ninety minutes later. I did want to let Dizak know right away that no dogs were harmed in this film. <laughs> you know, I thought to myself, oh, he'll just find out. I don't want to give that away. <laughs> I love those dogs. It's funny that one dog, I swear to God, his head is as big as my car. Like that one dog has the biggest head I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, the dogs, I really like the dog. I mean, I how we use the dogs. I mean, when you, when you watch it now, it's got some rough spots. Yes, I it mean, does. editing, both film editing mm-hmm. and sound editing are a little rough. Yeah. But it does a lot visually that's so striking. You can see that it's very influential. It made me want to go back and watch The Skin I Live In again. Well, you're going to get the chance because we'll show it this year. Awesome. Yeah. But, of course, we're all thinking, look, he fixed his wife's face. Why couldn't he fix those teeth? (laughs) I mean, wow. (laughs) But uh, the 60th year, I I keep reminding myself, the 60th anniversary uh, of this film, and it's a great time to revisit it. I can see, we talked about earlier, that it got bad reviews. I can see that. It probably, at the time, just people didn't know what to make of it. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, I think there are some there are some plotting moments in the film. There's a lot of just watching somebody walk from one place to yeah. another place. And there's, you know, uh, but, you know, all of the shots of Christiane are so yeah. hypnotic and spooky. And she does, she reminds me a lot of Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. She's just so delicate and fragile looking and and she just haunts this movie in such a beautiful way i love the way she moves i love that mask is so creepy the mask is creepy. in like the most just beautiful way i really think that every every scene she's in every moment she's on screen is makes makes up for anything that's missing yeah and early on the way they use mirrors and uh, windows and things like that and when she talks about it being seeing being able to see a reflection uh yeah very visually striking uh, regardless of the the bumps in the road and the things you mentioned that narratively it, it, it drags a little bit, but very, very influential and, and very worth revisiting here on the 60th anniversary. Uh, I first saw this movie a few years ago on Twitter Classic Movies and just fell in love with it. Uh, I agree. The actress who played Christiane had a lot to work with. You don't see her face very much, so she has to react a lot with her eyes, and it was just really impressive. Edith Scobb, I thought she was just amazing. I agree with him. I first saw it on Turner Classic Movies. Um, I enjoyed seeing it on the big screen. It, I think it still holds up very well. It's very well written and it's very well acted. That uh, scene where he uh, takes off the one girl's face is very, very well done for something in 1960. 
Can I tell you, this is going to surprise very few people. I immediately put together a top five list of, of people taking off their faces. I mean, like, like within seconds. I'm like, you know, I like that, but I kind of like this one better. And then, of course, that other one was so effective. There was something so it's wrong Jim with me. Jim Pembry, damn it. I know. Jim Pembry. <laughs> exactly right. It always comes back to Silence of the Lambs. It does. Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, my one and two right there. I guess that's what it takes to be in my top five. Does anybody else want to say anything about the movie? Well, I know you'd mentioned um, Pee-wee, Pee-wee's, yes. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. As I watched the movie with the music that juxtaposed with the imagery, um, I-, I couldn't help myself. My thought was, how many times did Tim Burton watch this? Yes. Because because I saw so many, you know, not, not just uh, visual c- compositional callbacks, thematic callbacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that was the other thing is, I although it's a very sad and, and horrific story, the music contrasted it and made it more of like a dark fairy tale. Yeah, to I me. think there's something sort of grotesque in like a circus element that the, that the um, that the music brings to it, and it's so loud, it's so jarring sometimes at different points in the movie because because it's visually it's so sort of serene and lovely, and then the music is just so discordant, which I think you know I mean it sets a it kind of sets you on edge a little bit. All right, good stuff. Well, we'll put this together, and the finished podcast should be out on Monday. That's right. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts or, of course, at madwolf.com. And that's our classic Fright Club for this year. And by the way, if you have any ideas for next year's classic or any classics you'd like to see, hit us up. You can always find us on Twitter. That's an easy way. We're at Fright Club Pod. Also on uh, Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews. And our other podcast our weekly podcast covering all the new movies uh, this week, like The Hunt. That's right. That we talked about and some others, a bunch of others. It's a busy week. It is a big week. Uh, that's The Screening Room. You can find that uh, on uh, madwolf.com as well. But moving up to the number one bad doctor, who else could it be? Dr. Lecter from 1991, The Silence of the Lambs. Like it didn't know. Just do your job, but never forget what he is. But he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're going to catch him. Do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't speak easily. You call this easy, sir? Lester's missing and arm. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? We've talked about this movie so many times with good reason, not only Hope's very favorite movie, but the American Film Institute named Clarice Starling as the sixth greatest movie hero out of 50, the highest ranked female on the list. Nice. And the Dr. Lecter was chosen as the number one greatest movie villain. Woohoo! But not good a doctor company. you should make an appointment to see. <laughs> not at all. No. There's so many reasons to talk about this movie, and... Um, and we've covered a, a lot of different ones, but just judging from his his performance as the doctor, right? I mean, he we've mentioned before he won the Oscar, and I think he has the record for the least screen time, I believe, of for, any of uh, for lead for lead mm-hmm. for any Oscar winner, and it was twenty twenty four minutes and fifty two seconds, and he's so incredibly memorable. Yeah, he really is. I mean, he benefits from getting the best lines. He's got the greatest lines. And then, of course, also, it's weird to think about the costume. So either he's standing there in that incredibly just that meticulous white right. prison suit, 
Or then, of course, he's gurneyed out and he's got that thing on his face. And then he's got that bad wig on at the end, which is hilarious. <laughs> and it's almost, I think, disturbing that you're chuckling and he's going to go eat someone. You're yeah. like, oh, 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 that's so funny. What a great line. Nice wig. Yeah. Oh, wait. That and, man's going to die miserably. And the voice he came up with, he described it as a combination of Truman Capote and Catherine Hepburn. Oh, interesting. Was the name was the voice that he came up with because huh. it's it's totally against the grain of what you might think of a mad doctor. He's just totally so composed. Yeah. Like the very first time that she sees him and he's standing there just straight and right. so dignified right. and goes against the grain of what you might think mm-hmm. for a character like that and it works so wonderfully well i think i think in a lot of movies where there kind of are two villains i'm thinking of like old boy or or um uh, a couple other movies when when you have one who's composed and uh sort of meticulous and maybe somewhat effeminate it's a nice counterbalance to somebody like buffalo bill ted Mm -hmm. levine who's just this raging big gangly you know physically strong mess of a human being it's um i think it's a nice counterbalance and they're sort of for me i think they're equally terrifying oh yeah very much so. And to prepare for the movie, Sir Anthony Hopkins said he studied files of serial killers, visited prisons, and studied convicted murderers, and was present during some court hearings concerning gruesome murderers and serial killers. So, you know, some yeah. unpleasantness, but uh, boy, it paid off. It because and I don't know if any of you follow him on Twitter. Naturally, we do. He's a weird dude. He just posts the weirdest, most random, bizarre stuff. I highly recommend yeah, him. Videos just making a lot of weird faces. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Check him out. Yeah. He's a barrel of laughs, as you can tell, <laughs> from this movie and our number one bad doctor. Who else could it be? Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter. That's right. Dr. Lecter from Silence of the Lambs, 1991. Okay, we're going to get going with uh, our movie tonight. Eyes Without a Face. Remember, we'd love to get your reactions after the movie. They, they're going to turn the sound down immediately after, so... We'll come back down here and uh, turn on the tape and get your reactions on the way out. So we appreciate you coming out tonight. And, uh, again, we got buns down here for free. We've got hats for $15, um, which is just what we paid for them. We're not going to gouge anybody for anything. And we've got a great movie tonight, a classic, our classic for the year. And And we have bleach wipes if you want to wipe down anything you're sitting in. We do have bleach wipes. So until next time, we appreciate you coming out. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for coming out. Roll it. Eyes without a face. <laughs>